This podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Buck Down Canada. Buck Down provides the community with high quality threads. I personally enjoy their clothing's perfect fit and grassroots bow hunting designs. Go check out their online shop at www.buckdowncanada.ca where you can find Richardson Trucker snapback hats, perfect for everyday use and even better for hunting. There you can also take advantage of the hoodie and t-shirt bundles. When purchasing at least three hoodies or three t-shirts, you instantly save at the checkout. With zero shipping costs, when it comes to hoodies and t-shirts, there is no better deal. Also be sure to check out their incredible array of designs and stay up to date on Facebook and Instagram at Buck Down Canada. This episode is sponsored by Grizz Targets and Archery. Hands down the best targets made right here in Alberta. I'm very thankful to have partnered with some amazing guys putting out high quality products. Their targets range in all sizes from the backpacker, which is their most portable target, great for checking your sights to make sure your arrow flies true when you're in the backcountry. This thinner 12 by 12 target can double as a seat or a flat surface when cooking. Say you want to have some fun testing your skills at long distances? The Kodiak, on the other side of the spectrum, boasts a massive 48 inch by 48 inch surface to assure you that you won't be digging in the grass for arrows when you're shooting past 100 yards. They have targets for both field points and broadheads, with interchangeable cells to keep you from breaking the bank when the bullseye gets blown out. You want a target that's as tough as you? Get Grizzly Tough with Grizz Targets and Archery. Be sure to check them out at grizztargetsarchery.ca. This episode is sponsored by Slayer Calls. Bill Ayer, CEO and founder of Slayer, puts immense worksmanship and quality control into every one of his calls. Not one of his products makes it into your hands without first meeting his high standards. Slayer currently makes calls for waterfowl, elk, and turkey. Their double reed duck calls boast superior craftsmanship and award-winning performance with wildly loud sound. They have a full range of elk reeds, custom bugle tubes, and in my opinion, the best push-button elk call on the market known as the Enchantress. This push-button call allows you to get a variety of noises from great cow sounds to estrus buzzes and big location bugles when paired with the swagger tube. Slayer makes many other products from goose calls and turkey reeds to lanyards, bags, and gear. They even have an online course to get you calling like a pro. Check out Slayer Calls at slayercalls.com and call the wild. This episode is sponsored by CND Archery. CND is Alberta owned and operated, offering two pro shops in Rosalind and Maleg. Owners Corey and Doug have more than 25 years of combined knowledge and experience to get you set up properly and to maintain your gear for years to come. CND Archery is Canada's only distributor of expedition bows. They carry tons of great gear that you won't find anywhere else. Corey and Doug support local by carrying many Alberta made products from arrows to accessories. Get in touch with the guys on Facebook or Instagram today at CND Archery and set up your visit. This episode of Alberta Wildlife Stories is sponsored by Precision Edge Taxidermy. Owner and operator Hunter Friesen from Stetler, Alberta puts outstanding craftsmanship into every mount to turn your most memorable stories into conversation pieces for your home. Precision Edge does everything from Euro mounts to anything big game along with waterfowl, small game and everything in between. Next time you connect with a trophy, connect with Hunter at Precision Edge Taxidermy. Find his stunning array of work on display on Instagram and Facebook at Precision Edge Taxidermy and contact him today. Welcome to Alberta Wildlife Stories. Joining me today is none other than Jonathan Lehman. 
Many are already familiar with the local legend, but for those that aren't, John is a father of two, an avid outdoorsman, with no stranger to wild success, and even wilder stories. John serves the community as a firefighter and as a first responder. He's an ambassador and team member for Scree Canada and Bird of Birds. On top of all that, he has just had one of the craziest seasons a guy could ask for. John, it's a busy time of year, man. Thanks for covering out some time to come on the podcast. How are you doing tonight? Oh, doing good, doing good. Just in the middle of the old whitetail rut, so doing what we can. Yeah, it looks like you're uh, going hard. And you just mentioned, too, you are just out with your kids this morning? Yeah, well, I took them out for an evening sit that's for where I'm from. They didn't have school this week, and uh, so it's kind of my days with the kids. And picked them up this morning and got all, you know, how it works with kids, the clothes and the snacks and the packing becomes a lot harder when you got two kids going along with you. So, you know, half the day was packing for that. And I had set up a a blind and some stuff last week, kind of having this in the back of my mind to kind of do this. So yeah, I know it got out today and for them, they've been on a few different hunts, um, bear hunting and, uh, and bird hunting being two of them. And, and, you know, you don't have to sit quite as still on those and, uh, so it was a it was a interesting evening, but I think they enjoyed it. Like taught them how to rattle and doing some grunting and stuff. And they came home and grabbed my sheds from downstairs and <laughs> started playing hunting. So I think it I think they liked it. <laughs> nice man, that's all good. So uh, yeah, I mentioned you got two boys there. How old are they? Yeah, so my oldest is nine. He turned just turned nine in September, and then uh, my youngest he's gonna actually turn. Oof, he's going to turn six on the 21st here in November. So, yeah, I know two hunting season babies, which obviously isn't ideal sometimes, but uh, (laughs) it is now that they're old enough to come along. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. And it's not too long until they can, uh, yeah, get their first and stuff too. Yeah, Zane will be, uh, he should be able to hunt birds next year. Nice. waterfowl you can do at 10 there's like a youth hunter so he's he halfway through this well halfway through september his birthday's on the 19th he'll be able to to get out and do some stuff so we had him out uh shooting with the 20 gauge just like shooting boxes and just practicing with that so should be should be a fun year it's fun time flies though yeah like i got the one three-year-old and i'm already like yeah, i'm excited for all of it but it's also yeah it seems like it's just going faster and faster yeah it's wild like they're born and i uh like some people probably think i'm crazy but i took my my oldest i guess would have been i'm gonna have to think about this for a second but i think he was five when i took him on his first hunt so i took him bear hunting which like for a lot of yeah a lot of people they might think i'm wild but i have a buddy that we do that with and we kind of you know, we, we did it safely. Obviously we're in the stand, we were, we're in a tree stand, but we had built and we, he went into the bait first just to scare anything off. And then we went in together and I got up in the stand with him and yeah, it's like, but it's funny you tell some people that and they're like, what? And they, oh, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel, yeah, it's just part of getting them out there. And I took an, I remember I took an iPad and uh, thinking like, because we would sit for quite a few hours and just thinking that it would be a bit of a struggle to get him to pay attention. And I don't think he watched it at all. Like we had some of those days we had like 12 to 15 bears coming in and yeah, he hardly watched his eyes were wide and yeah, he talks about it 
you know, still, still talks about it. And then my youngest too, we got him right away. Like I'm trying to think it would have been 2020 probably when I took my oldest. So yeah, maybe how oh, I got to do math. I'm not good at math. So yeah, I guess he would have six. Sorry. He would have been six. Yeah. So yeah. And then we got my, my youngest involved too. He came uh, last year. So yeah, he would have been five, had just turned five. So yeah, no, it's good. And they, and then they come home and they're playing bear hunting and like, yeah, it's good to see. It's good to get them involved and get them passionate about it. I think anyway. Right. So. Oh, for sure. And I think people have the like misconception exactly like he said with bear hunting that like even my mom's that way. I'm like, yeah, I'm going spring bear this year. And she's like, Oh, like you, you gotta be careful. And it's like, when you like, realize how like pretty tame it is to go like sit over bait on spring bear when you, where you can. Right. Like, um, yeah it's it's not too much of a sketchy experience and it's awesome yeah to get the kids doing that like with my three-year-old he's just he's got these little kids binoculars kind of thing and he just runs around the house and he'll just stop and put them up to his head and he'll be like oh dad a moose oh dad a bear (laughs) it's like are you gonna go chase him yeah he's just doing the same thing like you said the like pretend hunting thing and it's hilarious to to see them doing it and man there's so much to learn out there it's such an educational thing for them that's like why not like you know but yeah i i love it and you you go back to those moments where like we i'm sure we all have those memories i mean maybe some people don't but you know you have those memories with someone because somehow you got started hunting it can all be at different ages but for me it was pretty young as well so it's kind of a it's kind of a cool experience to come full circle and do that and yeah, yeah like the danger part of things too it's like i remember my first baited bear and i was kind of like on edge a little bit and then you know, it's funny at a, at a bait site. That's what I like the most about, like, I remember the first time I got asked to go baiting bears. I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm really into that, but I, but I did it. I wanted to try new things. Right. And then I realized like quickly how you can like, you, you just learn so much more about the animal, like their mannerisms, when they're being aggressive, when they're not being aggressive, you, you sit there and watch them all day for however many years. So yeah, I'd done it a few years and felt pretty comfortable and it's funny if you have a the bait site that we took my my oldest two to start we had had for a couple years so we knew some of the bears and so we had one that was a little cranky sometimes but it's funny you just you get to know the bears they're like your neighbors right so (laughs) (laughs) so i yeah it's i find it's like can be safer that way too because you know what to expect from certain bears and from you know their reactions and the way they're they're being so yeah i know it was good it was a fun time and like I say, he still talks about it and took my youngest out and he still talks about it. And like I was saying at the beginning, you know, took him whitetail hunting today and it's sometimes you don't see anything. I remember my kids tonight, they're like, when are the deer coming? And I'm like, sometimes they don't boys. That's just, <laughs> that's just how it goes. Um, but yeah, with bear hunting, you know, if you're usually going to sit a bait where you got some stuff going on. So it's nice. They don't have to sit as still. They're going to see some action. You know, they yeah. can have their snacks and do their stuff. And yeah, same with bird hunting. It's kind of the same idea. So yeah, no, it's cool to have that like almost guaranteed sighting for sure. But, but yeah, man, I was going to say, uh, like it's been insane. Like I wanted to tell you just congrats on the year so far that you've had. Um, oh, thanks. I can't wait to get into some of that stuff more, but, uh, when you're talking about, you know, starting at a young age for you and stuff too, I was going to going to start off with stuff like that i was going to ask you how did it start for you for hunting fishing trapping kind of all your love for the outdoors and everything yeah it's kind of for me it started so my dad he actually didn't hunt 
he did like when he was quite a bit younger when i came around i think he stopped he was more of like a fisherman he did a bunch of trapping and had a farm and like obviously like a huge outdoorsman so i don't ever until i was 13 i i don't remember hunting big game i always you know i always carried a 22 i remember going around the farm carrying a 22 everywhere i went shot gophers you know just always like hunted i guess in that realm and i guess you know i was under 13 so i couldn't hunt big game anyway then i remember my cousin coming along and he had hunted and him and my dad took me out and that's kind of you know i was 12 12 or 13 i forget i think i don't think it's changed so and uh yeah i just started hunting big game then right and then would go with my dad and my dad's friends and that's kind of what got me into it and and uh yeah from there it just kind of grew it's funny because you know and i've put a few posts on social media and it really is true and it comes to me i didn't i didn't bow hunt and november 1st would roll around and that was just like hunting season and as bad as it sounds you know we'd go my dad would take me for a cruise in the morning we'd go to his friends for for coffee and then we'd push bush in the afternoon you know kind of like that old school mentality yeah flannel jackets and cigarettes not me but my dad (laughs) and his friends um so yeah that's kind of how I grew up doing it right and then you know in high school you get busy doing other things right like I still hunted November but you know you do whatever you're playing sports and you want to you know chase girls and do whatever it is that you do as a high schooler and then yeah when that ended then you know like my interest started with like bow hunting and I remember I'd bought like a cheaper bow and went out and and uh I was so frustrated I remember that first couple years trying and then I actually took a couple year break and then I think it was like 2016 or 2017 I ended up buying a bow again and then yeah I just took off from there right like there then the challenge was on and any animal I could hunt I wanted to hunt I wanted to learn more about them but yeah that's kind of how it started off with me that's kind of why like I don't think I would rifle hunt much um to be honest like a bow hunting just kind of taken over my life but uh it's kind of that nostalgia right like mm-hmm. november 1st rolls around it's like christmas morning so that part of it i really like and you get to see you know some of the farmers you get permission on you get to like you know have coffee with them and run into them when you're out in the boat so yeah it's good it's uh that's kind of how how i got into it and how it got started for me yeah, that's cool, man. And it's like you say, nice to have that nostalgia, that classic way of like pushing bush and everything too. And I think that's for a lot of people, the way they knew hunting as a kid and stuff. And yeah, and it's funny, yeah. like I, I, I have the nostalgia of like rifle season, but I hate pushing bush. Like, and it comes, it's <laughs> funny because it comes from. I don't hate like the idea of it. I just remember as a kid, you know, being the guy in the bush, and you like, like this like i don't know how to put this but it was like almost like intimidating you could be walking at any point to just be gunfire everywhere and it was kind of like when you're younger you were like what is going on out there you'd be on point and if you missed your dad would give you a hard time or whatever (laughs) yeah exactly and they're running full tilt like it's nothing like when you're bow hunting or when you're like you know just any other style of hunting that's become a lot more common these days yeah with like obviously advancements and technology and stuff but still it's just funny like i actually the thought of pushing bush is still kind of cringy to me but it you know like you say the nostalgia and i think a lot of people grew up on it and like there's nothing wrong with that tactic at all like i'm not 
I'm not a hater of it. It's just like my personal experience with it. <laughs> For sure. It's definitely, uh, like you say, more of a rifle thing too. Like you're never going to really push bush with a bow and they come flying out. And you're trying to do like a full. Oh yeah. <laughs> I become a rodeo yeah. fast. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah man well we're kind of on that other stuff too. i wanted to actually thank you for uh your service as a first responder and as a firefighter um thanks <laughs> yeah man honestly it's it's a job that i couldn't do um and you know i and used to you know people would always say like oh yeah you know thank them and stuff like that and i always felt maybe like kind of awkward doing it and then uh, as i got older and realized just like how crucial it is in the community and um how much I like, I, you know, it's pretty much the greatest service you could do for the community. Right. So uh, I just wanted to throw that out there while we're kind of at the beginning of the chat and everything. Um, oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's definitely, it can be rewarding for sure. And uh, yeah, yeah, it has its moments. <laughs> well, I could only imagine. And one thing I wanted to ask you, well, I guess two of them, one was like, did you know you wanted to be a firefighter since childhood or <laughs> was well, that something? <laughs> that's another story. that's kind of funny, but I used to watch, have you ever, heard, I actually wanted to be a cop. So we'll start with that. And okay. <laughs> uh, so have you ever heard of the show Do South? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh, I was obsessed with that show as a kid. That's so funny. from, from whenever I can remember, I wanted to be a cop and it's funny cause I, 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 it all started, I'll try to make this short cause it has nothing to do with hunting, but I, I, at the time when I wanted to be a cop, you had to, you had to have volunteer time. So I coached basketball in my hometown and I decided, well, when you're in a small town, you, there's not a lot to do for volunteer. Like, so the first thing that came to my mind was, well, the volunteer fire department, it's literally called the volunteer fire department. So yeah, yeah. I signed up when I was 16, actually, and they, they wouldn't let me join back. You, you could be 16. Um, and they were kind of like in a changeover where they realized that maybe they shouldn't be doing that. So they wanted you to be 18. So then, um, when I was 18, like I literally joined a month after my 18th birthday and uh, yeah, that kind of like as volunteer experience for the police. And then I went off to college to become a cop. And then long story short, I, I actually failed the eye exam um, and I had right. to get, I, I had to get surgery, but I passed the fire eye exam. And so that just led me down that road and I got the surgery, could have went and reapplied to police, but I had been accepted on the fire department. So it just kind of, that's kind of how life took me that way. Um, so that's how I got to where, where I am now. <laughs> that's funny. And uh, the other thing that I found too, is it seemed like a lot of guys uh, are outdoorsmen within that community too. Like it seems like there's a lot of firefighters out in the field, uh, bow hunting or rifle hunting and stuff too. Is that something that you find or? Not so much. Yeah, yeah, I'd say, yeah, quite a few. Like, and I have a lot of buddies that are police officers, obviously, um, just like with my past, like wanting to do. So it's funny, yeah, there's a lot of outdoorsmen in that kind of like first responder, um, yeah, area. Like, yeah, run into lots. I hunt with a lot of guys. Um, one of the Berta Berta guys is a first responder. So, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot of guys that, guys and gals that do it. And, I don't really know if it's like, yeah, I'm not sure why that is, but yeah, there definitely is yeah. quite a few. Well, that's cool, man. It's just something that I kind of noticed. And then uh, it is something I wanted to bring up because like I said, I do almost a totally different line of work just in the trades and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's something that we pretty much can't live as a society without. And yeah, it's a pretty yeah. honorable position to be in. So yeah, um, appreciate it for sure, man. And uh, yeah, there's, 
I know when we were talking, man, there's like a big pile of stories that I want to touch on. But uh, before we kind of get into stories and everything, I wanted to ask you, because I keep seeing these videos of you cruising around on these e-bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I keep seeing tons of dudes on them now hunting and stuff. And it's something that I didn't really associate with hunting when I first started seeing e-bikes and like off-road bikes and stuff. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, like, how you how you find it like what's your opinion on yeah it? Uh, i'll put a plug it, out there i'll tell yeah, you the man. whole story i see so this episode could get long because i can go on rants <laughs> every i can like cool. divulge in every question you ask me i can divulge in so <laughs> but what happened was is i've always wanted an e-bike but they're quite a bit of money so i find a lot of value for them obviously with two kids and that my biggest my first thing that i wanted one for was i'm like I, it takes me forever to get my trail cameras up because yeah. i don't leave them up and i put them up maybe a little later than i should and so the crops up so i gotta like you know i kind of hit the fence lines and you know get back into some quarters and you, you end up walking a lot and i have nothing against walking i like physical fitness but it's it's a time thing like i need mm-hmm. you know like if i gotta put 20 trail cameras up it it takes a lot of time right and then i started dragging my kids along and stuff too because i'm like okay well i have the kids i can't go today and then i'd be like well i'll do some of my closer ones so anyway just found there would be a lot of value in it i ended up winning one at the sportsman show no way night and day i could get almost all my cameras up in a day like a full day like as opposed to however many days it used to take me like it blew my mind how fast it was and that was the first like thing that i found you know good about an e-bike when it came to hunting um and then since then obviously there's a whole bunch of stuff like getting into the tree stand and stuff i find out i find like you're never i shouldn't say that you're you're getting there undetected is kind of what you want to do but i find like any deer that have seen me when i'm walking to my tree stand like it's happened to everyone like you try not to have it happen lots but they know what you are right away it seems like and they're off they're gone but mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about the bike. It's like they don't know what it is. Like you're just ripping across the field and they have no clue what you are. And they do spook, but then they come right back, I find. Like I'll be up in the stand, they come right back. Because they're like, what was that? That's like actually kind of what I was wondering. Because when I first started thinking about it, I was thinking about exactly that. And almost the identical thing with uh, like ripping along edges of fields. Like like exactly like you said, if the crop's not off yet or anything. I mean, now it's not really a big deal. But uh yeah, it was just my f- kind of inkling to ask or think about is that, yeah, that they would maybe like lift their head and look, but it's just the weirdest, like, like <laughs> you know, yeah. they might not like even know what the heck it was. And they're just like, whatever. I mean, depending yeah. on. So are you getting off the bike and like, maybe this is a dumb question, but are you jumping off the bike and still walking, you know, a good, say like 100 or 200 meters like to your stand or are you just like ripping straight to the stand oh i ripped straight to it so that's cool john dudley did a thing before i had my bike and he talks about how he uses green light because he doesn't think he there's like he's got this theory on green light and how the deer don't see as well or i I, i'm I'm gonna mess it up but he did a video on green light and then the e-bike and how you know, they don't really know what you are. And then he shows videos of the e-bike at the bottom of the stand and deer like coming up to it and not caring. And I literally had that like a couple. So I run a tree saddle now. So not really a stand, but well, for 
everything but bear bear i run a stand and so i got a story about that too with the e-bike but um yeah so i i left my bike the the one bike that i was trialing makes a little bit more noise than the one that i won um it's kind of got a whine to it so i actually shut the gears off when i'm like 100 meters away and just pedal in um but I was setting it down, right? And I had deer like at my bike and they don't care. Like they, they're like checking it out and then they just go on about their way. Like, like it's a piece of machinery in the field. So wow. yeah, I ripped straight through there. Cause my thing is like, and maybe I'm wrong. Everyone has their own ways, but like my opinion on like getting to a stand or getting to a spot you want to sit and rattle or getting to a blind is like, no matter what you do, you're going to create noise and you're going to, affect animals that are in the vicinity around wherever you're going like it's almost impossible to not do that in my opinion Mm -hmm. so my thing with the bike is like you can get there fast and you can just get up the tree and let everything settle down again versus like the walking you're kind of dragging it out if that makes sense oh totally so yeah i go straight to the stand but well now that's got me like super interested in them like at first i think everyone probably has that initial thought that you're just going to spook everything like ripping in. And I can totally see exactly like you say, like get in quick, get up and then let everything settle down again. And I'm sure for yeah. different locations, maybe better than others, but absolutely. Know, gonna... I think about like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I think good. about like an open field, right? Like, and if there's like, say there's, you happen to get in late or, like ideally the situation doesn't happen, but we all know that it does. So, there's deer feeding or there's something out there I need to get to your stand. Okay. Well, if I want to walk there, it's going to take me, let's just say it's going to take me seven minutes. Well, mm-hmm. that deer is going to bounce to the edge of the bush and turn back and look at me. And I'm just going to have to continue walking for another four minutes. And it's going to be like, Oh yeah, that's a person and it's gone. And like, I don't know. I'm not a deer. I don't know how they think, but to me, they maybe don't want to come back to that night. Maybe they do. I don't know. But with the bike, it's like that, seven minute walk takes me a minute like like literally i i rip across the field and so yeah it takes off but by the time it like looks back to check out i'm like gone so it's like what what just happened <laughs> so every situation different for sure and like depending on areas where you hunt and, and all that stuff but i i enjoy it immensely for getting to and from the stand and trail cameras and scouting it has it has just made that like a thousand times easier. Uh, if I had all the time in the world, maybe not. Like it's, it's not like I'm like I said earlier, I'm not against physical fitness, but I think like just time. Everyone is short on time, it seems, and so that really helps. Mm-hmm. And then there's some stuff, and I mean, I haven't you know looked into some of the rules, but we had called a game warden when the OHV ban was on for uh, for um, uh, yeah. this spring, so. We already had our baits up, so I just took my bike in. Interesting. And they and they were, like, all good. They're like, that's not even really considered. Yeah, they vehicle. said, like, a truck. So we talked about a truck. And, you know, it's funny because it's what the, the game warden we talked to, it just seems like, always seems like a gray area, but they never said anything about the bike. And so hmm. I know when it comes, and, I, and I'm not up to date because I've never taken it for any of this bear hunting i did took it in but like when it comes to sheep hunting and all that there are some rules and and there was a guy that messaged me like if you have i think it was he said it was under 500 watts and you have two motors then you're good to go it's not considered an off-highway vehicle don't quote me on any of those numbers 
Um, but there's like a rule where the bike isn't considered that. So I've never taken it there, but there's some benefits in that world as well when it comes to those bikes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of anything you do hunting, I guarantee you the bike will make it easier and better and you'll be more successful. That's my opinion on it. You can get deeper, faster. If whether you're hunting mule deer in the coolies, you want to get back in glass coolies, it's going to get you there faster. Um, yeah, it's just going to give you more time. So I was lucky enough after I won the bike and I got to do a little plug here, but I won the bike and then I actually had some issues with the first, with the bike that I own. I took it into e-bike Edmonton, it's called. Mm -hmm. And now I partnered up with them. So, you know, I get a bike. We're trialing a bunch of different bikes this year. It was a Baku um, bike that I trialed all hunting season. I just took it back actually like a few days ago. And uh, next year we'll be running a few more and kind of doing some comparisons. So we're going to do a comparison video. I, I, I want a Rambo and um, yeah, I'll compare the Rambo to the Baku. So yeah, no, they're good. Yeah. That's super intriguing. I know like when I first kind of seen it, I was, you know, had the thoughts back and forth about everything from spooking, but then, yeah, like you said, like, you know, setting any cameras or, you know, ripping to stands. And like you said, like, I mean, everybody that's working a full-time job and like we already don't have a lot of time to get out and hunt during the season or trying to make the most of it. Right. So it's like, yeah, it, anything that can really help you get there. Or like you said, you're not like, I find I still, I still hunt or like, I mean, in, in the dark, still walk as quiet as I possibly can to my stand and man, I'm showing up like, I don't know, a few hours before sunrise just to like actually get to my stand as quiet yeah. as possible you know and it's nothing as defeating as putting in all that effort and then you're like two feet from a deer and it gets up and it snort wheezes at you or something or and rips out yeah. you like spend all that time trying to be quiet and then yeah it's you blow it anyway so oh yeah it's the worst yeah i know i like and i i was on not on but i rode my e-bike in when i killed the, when we killed our elk this year we both had e-bikes so crazy they are they worked. <laughs> That's a, yeah, definitely seems to be that way. I got I'm going to keep in touch with you with that because I'm actually just over in Strathcona County here. So it's like, uh, yeah, I'd love to even just come take a look at some at the store there. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, just yeah, they're unreal. They're like they and they got a big sale. Like I'm, I'm not to plug like, but they got mm -hmm. a big sale on Quiet Cats right now. Um, if I had one one and wasn't the deal that I'm involved in, like I would definitely be considering because they're they're quite a bit cheaper right now and yeah I, I just find yeah it's gonna save you time for a lot of things and you know i'm still finding ways to use my bike in everyday hunting things that i would never have thought of right like even getting some of the decoys i was ripping the bike around getting some of the decoys out for bird hunting like ripping That's them around nice. and yeah you name it and you know a lot of it is i gotta take pictures and stuff so i try but then i'm like man why why have we never why have i never done this before like <laughs> so yeah yeah that's uh definitely something i didn't realize that uh, john dudley was doing stuff too i gotta check out some of those videos as well too yeah so probably well i mean he's got a few but probably about a year ago i watched a video i've always wanted an e-bike and just obviously don't have the money and for me it was just again not to beat a dead horse but like it was just cameras like i need to get cameras out and i run out of time every year and i don't 
want to take a week of days or five days away from being with my family so I can get out and get cameras and uh, like put cameras up. So, uh, you know, that's the big one for me that has been huge. Mm-hmm. Like if I get yeah. a couple hours in a day to go put cameras up now, I can get half a dozen or more cameras up. No problem. Where before I would need that couple hours to like, if I was setting two cameras up in the middle of four quarters, then I would, it would take me that two hours, right? Like if, if that's all I had, um, th- does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. So and it's that, highly beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I rant and rave. I obviously understand that there's like a cost, you know, they're not cheap. So I was fortunate enough to win one and then fortunate enough to get involved with a company to be able to use them. So I, I do understand that there's a, there's a cost to those bikes, but uh, I think the value is definitely there. Yeah. Like I think there's that barrier of entry with, with pretty much anything, but I think they're also still like they've been around a while, but it still seems like they're still pretty new in like the advancements of technology with them and everything. So it seems like, I feel like the prices will slowly start to come down as well too and be a little bit more feasible for people in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And you can get some that aren't like the big name brands um, from my understanding that are, that are pretty good as well and uh, quite a bit cheaper. So yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. And like you were saying, so uh, you guys had one, I remember in that one post with your two elk there, you're talking about uh, yeah, two trucks, two elk, two bikes and (laughs) all this. Um, Maybe it's a good way to get into that story. That's of course, like, you know, with the heck of a season that you have had, uh, when that showed up, I think that's what, when you and I first really, really, I was like, dude, I need to hear this story. It's crazy. And then, you know, I went to, we went to kind of talk about it and then you're like, oh, I'm too busy shooting this mule deer and then too busy <laughs> shooting all these game birds. Like you've just been on one. So yeah. it's, been, it's been funny, but uh, man, I've been super stoked to uh, kind of get these details from you on this uh, double down kind of. Yeah, arch- I can recap elk. the season a little bit. Like um, that's, uh, sorry, that was Lucas Shaver. Was that the yeah, buddy's yeah. name that you were with? So, yeah. yeah, and he runs Alpha Dog Archery. So he has a little archery shop. He does. He lives actually in Strathcona County as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, he runs a archery shop. So he, he does all the work on my bow and, you know, he sells a bunch of stuff. I get all my stuff from him now. So yeah, but he's a high school buddy. Like I, I know him from high school, but uh, yeah, so he came with me. But like, yeah, we can get into that. The, this, the season started with a sheep hunt. It's the first year I've ever done an early season sheep hunt. Um, sometimes I wonder why I sheep hunt because I hate every minute of it when I'm there. And when it's done, I'm like, I like a lot of good memories. So I, I, I got a bit of, I got some stories there. Uh, do you want me to just recap the season or you want me to get into the elk stuff or what do you want? No, you know what? Let's, let's do that. Let's start at the sheep because the season, man, for you, it's, it'd be sweet to get kind of that start to end. I mean, I know it's not done. And like you say, you're still out for whitetail right now and we're coming into the end of November, but I think, yeah, it'd be sweet to get that kind of full picture for what it looked like from pros and cons and ups and downs and, and everything. So yeah. why don't you start from that sheep hunt? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, sheep hunt, you know, we're, we're doing the opener and me and me and a buddy started sheep hunt. And I want to say it was for, this might've been our fifth year. Maybe it was our fourth year. I don't know. Um, somewhere, one of those, but anyway, so we decided to go to a new location this year. Um, so anyway, 
you know, you know, we're, we're pumped. We're going hunting. It's hunting season started. Everyone's happy. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, with sheep hunting, you know, that turns sometimes right away, you know, it, it can be a grind out there. And it's funny. So my, my sheep partner, we were doing it a little bit different this year. We we're going to do a lot of in and outs. So he didn't bring his sleeping bag to stay on the mountain. So oh, the big story. That. That, yeah. So the big story that came from sheep. So the first day we go out and we do a hike and I'm not a guy. I know like, I'm not a sheep expert. So guys that are listening to this, you know, they might think I'm stupid for some of the stuff I'm about to say, but this is, you know, you kind of learn, you kind of learn as you go. I don't like going in and out. I know that it has its place, but every time I go out, I feel like I'm wasting time and energy, like lots of energy. So we went in and I'm like, I'm an overpacker to begin with. So we go in and I, I talked to my partner about maybe staying on the hill and he's like, I don't have a sleeping bag. We're not staying on the hill. So we come out next day. We do another hike. Keep in mind, I got sick. So I had a deathly cold. So it made it even worse. So, Next day we go in, uh, I'm like, we should stay on the hill. He kind of got mad with me. Like we kind of had a bit of a, you know, argument and I'm like, well, you forgot your sleeping bag. Like, this isn't my problem. Like you're sheep hunting and you forgot your sleeping bag. Now he had one for like the trailer, but it was huge. <clears throat> so anyway, day two, we did, we do this hike, we come out. So I'm slowly taking stuff out of my bag. So I'm like, why am I carrying this stuff? Like, why, why am I carrying my sleeping bag. Why am I carrying my sleeping pad? We're not sleeping on the hill. So day three, we do a hike and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm sick. We get back. So we we are going to go out. We're making a plan for day four and uh, I pull everything out of my bag, basically everything. I think I kept my rain jacket, you know, like food and a first aid kit, but basically all, all my clothing and everything out. So we go on this hike we get about 6k in and uh we stop and we thought it would open up the glass and it it wasn't it was all treed in so we kind of had a decision to make so we decided to keep going we ended up getting 18k back and nothing has opened up to glass any rams whatsoever so we just decide we're going to stay on the hill of course i have nothing so yeah luckily found a horse camp with a tarp we made a fire um I did, I, I didn't sleep. Like I would sleep 10 minutes and then I'd get up and get more firewood. And as soon as the fire would like go out and like, this is beginning of August or sorry, end of August. So like, you think it would be nice, but it got down to like four degrees there. And, uh, I didn't freeze to death, but like, it wasn't comfortable. Like it was not a comfortable night. Um, so I look back on that now, obviously and laugh because it's just like every, as I tell the story every day, I'm pulling things out of my bag. Cause he keeps telling me we're not staying on the hill. And it's like he bamboozled me into staying on the hill with nothing. So, <laughs> well, we woke up at seven, kept going, and we got the glass, some good sheep country. And unfortunately, didn't find the illegal rams on that trip. But, uh, yeah, it was it was good. Seen a lot of goats and, and uh, yeah, had a lot of fun at the time. Maybe not so much, but I look back on it now, and it's it's good. It was, it was a good experience, to be honest. But mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'm I remember so, seeing yeah. that picture that – was that the the picture where you're like just kind of underneath this like little tarp yeah. shelter i don't know yeah 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 that's it we're underneath this green tarp because that's what they left us and uh yeah we made the best of it but i've always wanted to stay a night under the stars in the mountains and now i can say i did it i guess not not saying it's the smartest thing but yeah no it was it was good and so 
that was all at the, obviously at the end of August. And so I took my holidays for the month of September. So I had to trade a few shifts to make that trip work. So I went back to work for three shifts. And then this is where the elk story starts because I almost didn't trade. So I, we work it, we work four shifts and then go on days off. And then we work four and go on days off. So it's like two days, two nights kind of thing. And then days off and then two days, two nights, days off. So I traded my last night shift and I almost didn't. I was like, ah, maybe I won't because I was going to get off September 1st, but I wasn't going to be home in time to start hunting at sunrise just because our shift schedule. And I didn't really feel like trading both. So I traded the last one and was off and we, we were going to go elk hunting, me and my buddy Lucas. So rewind we've been planning this elk trip and i'm arguing with him because i think it's stupid that we're going early so i like to hunt i like to hunt mule deer the first week of september and he wanted to go hunt elk so i could probably still find it in our text messages where i told him he was an idiot because it's i didn't want to go because i I didn't think they were gonna there's gonna be no action you know we got to go the 16th the 16th plus or minus four or five days that's when we should go so anyway He's convinced me we're going. So I trade that shift and I go out and I had some family stuff at home and I ended up having to stay that day. He went out and I'm like, okay, meet me in the morning. So September 2nd, meet me in the morning and we'll, we'll head out. So super early. I think we were up at like three, three or 4 AM. He meets me. We go out. We kind of have like two areas that we hunt. So we go to the first area. He had put a trail camera up too. So we kind of knew there were some bulls there. Um, and from previous years, he had shot a bull the year before. So we go out to our first spot and we just kind of sit and there's a cornfield there and we just kind of over, we're just checking it out and seeing usually the elk come off the corn and they go into this big chunk of bush and we wanted to make a move and do some calling. So we didn't see much that morning and finally one small bull came off and went to the bush. So we're like, yeah, let's go make a move. So we used the wind, went in doing some calling and we actually called in another hunter and uh he didn't come and talk to us i just i was the shooter because my buddy had shot one the year before and he was calling and uh i actually thought he was moving without like signaling to me we had the we have a way we like signal each other if we're gonna move so i'm like well why is he crossing that ridge he didn't tell me he was moving right so i moved to go over to him and anyway we ended up realizing it was another hunter and so you know we we get out to the bush and we check it out we end up seeing two vehicles so we're like you know what let's go to our other spot so we head to our other spot and when i had asked for permission again this year i kind of asked the landowner i said have you seen any elk and he's like he's like yep they're around he's like i'm like he's like if i were you i would sit the water hole mm-hmm. so he's got a water water hole on his land so i'm like okay so knowing that we go to this we go to this other section and I'm like, well, let's just work our way to this water hole and we'll, we'll do some calling. So we do exactly that. This is probably at this point, it's probably like nine, eight thirty or nine in the morning, something like that. <clears throat> so we're working our way. It's kind of windy. We thought we heard a bull doing some raking, but we couldn't like confirm that. So we finally get to the water hole and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to let out a bugle. So I let out a bugle and Sure enough, two hunters come around the corner with their bows drawn, like not drawn, sorry, arrows in their bow, like ready, like they're, and so I'm like, oh my, so go over and talk to them and like they're huffing and puffing. You could tell like their adrenaline was pumping. So 
met these guys before and uh like great guys and they're like we we seen your truck but we have trail cameras in here we had two bulls on camera like an hour ago so we came in to make a move right and we're like okay and so he's unreal he's like i'll show you the pictures and i'm like well do you guys want to sit this water hole tonight because we can leave like i don't know i'm easy going and to be honest i don't really like people usually like i just don't like being around them i just i like other hunters but i just like my own space for sure so i'm like if if you guys want to sit here by all means we got another spot we can sit we're gonna kind of move around he's like no 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 we're going to another spot tonight he's like i have a cell cam here he's like we're gonna get out of here i'll send you all the pictures i have on my cell cam and he's like if i were you guys i would get to this water hole early so i look at my buddy lucas and i'm like okay we haven't eaten lunch it's like 11 o'clock so we rip to the nearest town get a pizza sub because that's my good luck a high guard pizza sub and i'm not kidding (laughs) when i say that every time and i got stories about i shot my moose and i didn't think i was gonna be able to find it and i came home and had a high guard pizza sub and found it (laughs) if i'm not finding an animal that i want to find i have a high guard pizza sub and usually it works out so i go get a high guard pizza sub we eat it we come back and we're kind of crunched for time and again this is where you know i'll put in a a good word for the e-bikes again we have the e-bikes and we need to get to this water hole and so we just jump on them and rip in we're in there in no time hide the e-bikes in the brush and we're sitting there and it's funny because the story is what happened the ending of the story is amazing but the story itself you know it's it's kind of funny and it's not that good so we're sitting there at this water hole and this guy starts sending me pictures and like there's good bulls at this water hole all the time so you know we do we decide we're going to do a little cow calling so we do a little cow calling take a break nothing i actually fell asleep i think for 20 minutes woke up my buddy's like i i let out a bugle nothing so hanging out and this at this point it's probably like 3 30 and my buddy's like let out another bugle so another backstory to this is we were trying to get better at elk calling so my buddy had he had done that like elk 101 or elk bros uh the mm-hmm. app and so he was on me too i got to give him a lot of credit because he was on me to go f- early in the season then he was on me to get get this done like in, again when you got kids and and all that stuff like i just felt like i was never had time so i was able to get through a few modules at work and uh so anyway one of them was like just like changing the direction of your bugle so I threw my bugle tube in my armpit and I let out a bugle and I didn't even have my bugle tube on the ground. And these three elk, three bull elk are coming in like kitty corner from us across. So if you can imagine, like, let's just say we're sitting this, this water hole is kind of like a dugout and it's like longer than it is wide, if that makes sense. And let's say it runs East and West. And so the, and we're sitting on the South side kind of south southeast so these elk come in from like the northeast corner like down a path and first one comes out and my buddy's like the second one's bigger and i'm like he's like whispering this to me and i'm like yeah i can tell like he's moving his antlers to get around trees at this point you know uh i was he we were on the same page that i was the shooter the year before i had called in a bull for him but it but at no point was I dibsing the big elk. It's just how it worked out. Mm-hmm. So, so the first elk comes in and there's only, we're sitting in some bush on like the south side of this water hole. 
And the first elk goes along the north side and there's like one willow bush and that's it. And he stands behind it and you can't see his eyes. Like he, he can't see us. So it's like a perfect scenario. Wow. Second bull is the big bull and he, I'm sitting more to the east than my buddy. If that makes sense, we're kind of sitting together, but I'm on the right and he's on the left. So I'm on the east and he's a little bit to the west. This bull, the first bull is behind the bush has kind of went along the north side, but he's kind of heading west along the water hole. And the big bull comes out and he comes down to the east side of the water hole. So it's like, you know, fate. I don't know what the third bull did. I have no clue. Yeah. Don't remember. But mine came in. And I remember thinking, again, going back to this course, I wanted to get behind bush. But in that course, they're like, everything you think about whitetails, you need to you need to drop it. You don't need to hide behind stuff. You need to make sure there's stuff behind you, like covering, you know, your silhouette and stuff. Right. So I fought the urge to get behind something because that's immediately what I wanted to do. And I felt like the bull was staring at me, which he was, but he couldn't see anything, right? So he got down to the water, but he was quartering to me. And, and so at this point, actually, he had turned back to look at the third bull and I drew. Wow. I'm sitting there at full draw. The first bull has walked down into the dugout. So he he's like, or the water hole. So he's like deep in the water. Like he's in trouble. Like I just remember thinking that like this scenario is playing out better than it could, I could have ever imagined. Wow. And to rewind a little bit again. My buddy at the beginning is like, if two bulls come in, are we going to shoot them both? And I'm like, well, yes, why would we not? Like, we had this conversation. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, well, it's a lot of work. I'm like, I don't care. Like, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. We'll deal with that when it comes. So anyway, back to the bulls. So the, his is down in the water. I'm at full draw. My bull's slightly courting too. And finally, he just takes two steps to go down to drink, and he's full, fully broadside. At that point, I had ranged everything before they came out. Like, I knew where my shots were. I knew the distance. So, I knew he was 30 yards. I let an arrow fly. Everything happened so fast. But I hit him. He went up to the north side of the of the water hole. And he just took off. And, like, now in hindsight, he was just doing a death run. Like, he was full tilt, running. Nothing was going to stop him. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. After I shot, I grabbed my bugle too. Because even last year when my buddy shot his, you know, with bows, there's no like sound. They Sometimes they don't know what happened. So you bugle mm-hmm. and I found last year it stopped his, which was perfect because it stopped it long enough that it started to, you know, get wobbly and it didn't make it much further and collapsed. So I grabbed my bugle tube. While I'm grabbing my bugle tube, the other bull is frantically getting out of the water and right when he hit the edge of the water hole my buddy let him have it hit him (laughs) and so this is all happening simultaneously like i'm slowing this down for the story but this is like split second stuff so he hits him at that point i have my bugle tube i bugle my bull is not stopping he is gone his stops my buddy's like like yelling at me, like range mine, range mine, range mine. Like he had a good shot, but he just wanted to get another one. So they're the toughest animals like ever. So I range 60 yards. He puts another arrow into it and off it goes. And then, you know, now they're both gone. We're both staring at each other. Like what just happened? Like this is nuts. So 
And this is where the story kind of gets wild. So <clears throat> they're gone. I'm like, we're both in like, you know, that phase yeah. you have in shooting animal where you're just like in shock and disbelief and you're like, holy crap. But I didn't get a pass through on mine. So I knew he was dead. Like I, it was a good shot. Seen it. My buddy's like, it was a good shot. So we get over to look for blood. My buddy's bull, tons of blood. I found the probably back four inches of my arrow covered in blood and snapped off. But for, but now you got two bulls bleeding and one doesn't have a pass through. So, and we're both like losing it. Like deep down, we're just like, we're trying to keep it together, like, and trying to make smart choices. So my buddy goes in after his and he comes back out and he's, he thought it was my bull. There's now confusion, right? He's like, I I think that was your bull, but it, it bumped and it got up and it, it took off. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, and so my buddy was hunting in the area. Another friend of ours was hunting in the area. I called him. I'm like, you need to come out here, please. I'm like, we need a fresh set of eyes and a fresh brain because we just shot two elk. So we wait for him. He comes out at this point. I always carry uh, flagging in my bino harness. So I flagged what little blood we can. And I had two colors. So I'm, I'm trying to differentiate between the two bulls. Um, so we kind of get a direction for mine, but there's not a lot of blood on mine. And, and I'm kind of having a mini panic attacks inside. Mm-hmm. My buddy's lots of blood. So anyway, my my other friend comes out to help us. So they decide to go track Lucas's bull. And uh, they find it. And it took like two more arrows, I think. Like they said that thing, if it would have had thumbs, it would have pulled the arrows out. He ended up like digging his fronts into the ground. And we had to dig them out when we went to like, wow. Yeah, quarter them and stuff. So they're they're so tough. So it's funny. So then my buddy comes back and he looks at me and like, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in circles. Like I'm, I'm of no use to anyone. I, (laughs) in my mind, I remember thinking that like mine was doing a death run. So it's going to take the path, path of least resistance. So I was following like kind of open areas, hoping to find it piled up. Right. I wasn't tracking blood. I just like, wasn't thinking. So my buddy comes out and like, we got, we got Lucas's it's down. Uh, and my buddy just goes, man, it's such, he's got such a nice bull. And I just remember I looked at him and I said, if you think his bull is nice, we need to find mine. Like <laughs> you have no idea. So without making this a crazy long story, we actually tracked for three hours and wow. I thought it was over. Like I, I told my buddy, I'm like, I'm never going to elk hunt again. Like this, I know he's dead. I, there is not a doubt in my mind. He's dead, but I don't have any blood or very minimal. I got to like give props to Lucas and my buddy because they end up crawling on their hands and knees and finding blood for about a hundred yards. And we kind of lost it. And at that point, been three hours. We're like, we need to deal with Lucas's elk. Like, it is what it is. So we're like, let's just grid search this chunk of bush where we last have blood. So we go three up through, nothing. We're coming back down through. And uh, I would just got a little bit ahead of like Lucas. And so I yelled back. I'm like, hey, Lucas, where are you? And he yelled. 
and he was a little bit behind me. So I, I, I remember thinking like, oh, I didn't zigzag enough. And, and there was like a path there. So I'm like, I'll just take this path. So I turn around and kind of walk towards Lucas, but down this path. And I went 20 yards and he was piled up in the trees. Wow. And I was screaming, losing my mind. <laughs> the guys come over and they're like, holy crap. Like obviously bull of a lifetime, but like just the emotions. Like I, I genuinely thought I'd lost that bull and I genuinely don't know. I don't know if I would have hunted the rest of the year. Like I, I knew how big he was. I knew I just, and I knew he was dead and it just no blood and just trying to like calm yourself in those situations mm-hmm. to be able to think with a level head. And I'm a big, you know, proponent of always calling a buddy that has no invested interest. Mm-hmm. Like we all have buddies that'll show up and help us at any point. And you just need somebody that isn't as, as invested as you are. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, then we got to work and, and it ended up being, uh, well, we were basically up 24 hours by the time we <clears throat> quartered them both and and uh, got back. And obviously it was a bit warmer, so we had to get them in my buddy's uh, walk-in cooler. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a wild day. That is, I'm like sitting here in like disbelief listening to that. That's like, and you know, I think it's really... Yeah, everything from like just like you said, yeah, when you guys both took your shots, like, of course, it seems like split seconds. But in those moments, too, everything seems like so slowed down. And then, you know, like it's so like that grid searching thing, like, man, that needs to be like preached for sure, because there's so many times that as soon as people like don't see blood they give up and i know what that's like like you say that you get that little panic attack inside you you start to feel like crap especially if you have to like call it in and you go in for a night and you come back the next morning like i've done that in the past i had a buddy that just did that this year and thankfully same thing found it but yeah like that gut sinking feeling like when you're like oh i'm not gonna even hunt the rest of this year like it's such a people don't realize it until that happens to them right like it's a shit feeling like it's oh yeah it's a terrible feeling and i started I had the wherewithal to, well, a couple things about the story. I had the wherewithal to finally after a bit, because they were, they were looking for blood and I just, my mental capacity, I knew how big the bull was and I was freaking out and I just couldn't, I'd be, I'd look for blood and couldn't find it and then just panic and I'd start wandering. So finally I was just wandering bushes alone. So I just, iHunter has that track app. So I'm like, you know what, if I have to come back in the morning, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm useless anyway. I'm wandering around right now. I might as well track where I'm wandering. So mm-hmm. tomorrow I have that mapped out. And if I have to come back, I know where I've walked. And maybe I have a day where I can like maybe think logically and I can look at that app and be like, well, I never looked over here. There's no red marks over here. Um, so I had the wherewithal to do that. Mm-hmm. Didn't end up needing it. But yeah, there, you're right. Like it just, it's not a good feeling. And, and, uh, yeah, I, and again, I knew it was a good shot. And the funny thing was, is I don't, I don't know if anything would have changed. I love the broadheads I used. I was working with a broadhead company this year. Everything that I shot died. I cannot be mad at the broadhead because it did, it did its job. And that's the other thing. When we found the elk, mine was stone cold, dead. Like mine was dead before Lucas's. That's why we ended up quartering wow. and doing mine first because Lucas's got bumped. And then by the time we got another arrow and all that stuff, like, he probably, you know, was alive a little bit longer. So that's why we made that decision. 
So, you know, that thing was dead. It just ran to its death and collapsed in some trees, right? Like that just is what it did. But that morning I switched from me and Lucas were just having a conversation and I decided to switch from a fixed to a mechanical. I've never shot a mechanical in my life. Not saying I wouldn't, but and I'm not saying that the outcome would have been any different. Um, but it's just funny when you look back on the stories and like the decisions made that day, like I literally switched broadheads that morning. Wow. And I think even though like when what you said too, there's like not a single thing that like you would have done different or changed. And like, I felt that too, where, uh, when, when you take that shot and you're like, you know, the comfortability of the shot, the shot cycle, like where you're like putting the pin and like, you know, your follow through and like, you're just, like you said, you're confident that thing died. Like you're confident that that was an ethical shot. You're confident in every single, single thing. That's like, that's what, you know, when you mentioned like, yeah, you're in pretty much in shock, like walking around with just adrenaline coursing through your veins. And you're like, this is a crazy experience to have two guys, like let alone, you know what it's like when you shoot one, let alone having two and that back to back and maybe two separate blood trails or all the chaos of it. Right. Um, to just like keep a level head and, uh, kind of, plug away at it and then it's like i just find it's so hard to just be like i did like there's not a single thing i would do different even where the arrow hit like and then to be coming up short on blood and to be getting like you know that gut sinking feeling like those are the kind of things man it's like you know you can put all the practice you want in and shoot you know perfect groupings all the time and then you can still follow through on a shot that you're like so damn sure on and it can still leave you like gutted like that and you know like good thing you guys did that because like you know there are guys out there that probably would you know maybe and i don't even want to say because like you know you knew damn sure like you said like you, you knew that yeah it was it's dead for sure somewhere um but yeah there's lots of guys that you know they don't see a blood trail or something like ah, i missed it or something you know they'll try to like yeah. chalk it up and move on or something and it's like yeah yeah exactly but yeah yeah it worked worked on real and then you know it's funny it's you know we all have wives or girlfriends and it's Mm -hmm. funny when they ask it's hard to explain hunting to people right like my plan is to elk hunt until an elk hunt or until an elk is dead you know they'll be like well what are you doing this weekend and what are you doing that weekend and what are you it's like well i'm gonna hunt elk until an elk dies and then I'll move on like, or whatever. Right. Like it's, yeah. hunt, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but hunting season is very hard to plan. And then it's very hard to like explain a plan to someone because it's so dependent on what happens. And, and like I've killed a mule deer day one of the season and then it changes my whole season because now I have all this time. I, I don't have a mule deer tag. So yeah. yeah, to keep the, the recap going like that, that kind of like, obviously that elk freed up a ton of time. Like that was September 2nd. So you know how it is, right? Like you go to the garage on September 3rd and this elk is in there and you just like reminisce that day. And I dealt with some of the meat and, you know, we took meat to the butcher and I had buddies come over and one of my buddies scored the elk and like just everybody wanted to see it and everyone wanted to talk. So you kind of have like a couple days of that. And then you just kind of like wind down, you know what I mean? For a few days. And then you just kind of hit that like, okay, well, moving on <laughs> let's get back out there yeah yeah <laughs> that was for sure same thing for me this year man it was super awkward i've never shot something opening day and then i took that whitetail opening day and i was like what do i 
do now. You take that that relishing in it and like exactly like you say, that enjoyment. Like I've seen those photos of like your kids holding the, the yeah. actors and stuff. And I was like, oh man, that's nuts. Yeah, anyway. you got to enjoy the moments. Yeah, that was a s- sweet white tail. Yeah, it's funny because that's, that's the only animal. I shouldn't say the only. Like obviously I haven't shot a ram with my bow or a rifle. But like out of a ton of animals that I hunt, a white I have never shot a white tailed deer with my bow. Wow. Was it yeah. your bow? Like in general. Yeah. Wow. Well you got a couple more weeks, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lots with rifle. Um yeah. but I've I've shot one oof, this was five years ago. You know what? Almost the same story as like the elk and I never found it. And, and there was no bush. Like it to this day I still the buddy that came and helped me deal with that, I to this day we were both like flabbergasted at what happened and where it went. Like but yeah, so I've never yeah, that's one animal I've never never done. But you know, it's so hard for me because it's it's well, it's an excuse. I it's hard to bow hunt in a rifle zone. Mm-hmm. Guys are driving by and you're sitting in your stand and like the frustrations like this year I was going to commit to it and then I just haven't, I just didn't do it. But I do have a deer right now that I'm considering with the right wind, maybe sitting with my bow. But anyway, that's a story for another day. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just, you know, I, I love hunting mule deer with my bow. I love, you know, elk hunting with my bow. You know, when I have a moose draw, I'm doing that. Like we, we do birds. So like after the elk to kind of continue the recap, you know, yeah. I, uh, you know, relished in it for a few days. I mean, I'm still relishing it. I still get text messages. Like, I truly don't think I know, like, the size of elk that I shot. Like, I do now, but, like, I wanted meat in the freezer. If my buddy would have shot that elk, like Lucas, I would have been pumped. But I, it just, how it ironed out, there was no, like, people asked, like, well, who decided who get to shoot? I'm like, it's just where the elk showed up. Like, it wasn't, we weren't, it j- we just went, rolled with the punches. Me and him have hunted yeah. together for a long time. We don't really have to communicate. Like, even when he shot his, like, I couldn't see him. He couldn't see me. The bull kind of came in between us, and we just, the way we worked together, it just ended up in another successful harvest, and this one ended up in a double. Like, we just hunt really well together. So there was no, like, just how it worked out. And, and uh, yeah, so now, you know, everyone's like, well, you're ruined because – you're never going to shoot that again. So I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. So, you know, you're still relishing it, but yeah. So after that, I had a goal, um, to try to get a dozen bird shoots in, which, you know, with work and I don't, I don't do a lot of bird shoots alone or any by myself. So you always need guys there. So they got to have days off and do all that stuff too. So, so after that elk was down, we originally weren't going to hunt that long weekend, like bird hunt that long weekend of September, but we ended up being able to to kick it off and get started that weekend. So so that was good. And then, yeah, got a mule deer. Um, I think that was on the four. I'd have to look. Like, it's all blurs together. I was, like I say, I was on holidays. So, yeah, shot the mule deer and, and, uh, and then just, yeah, got back to bird hunting and, started kind of setting up for whitetail but <clears throat> birds birds is pretty busy because i i'm the one that lives out in the area out of our group that hunts and everyone pitches in when when i can't do it but i do a lot of the scouting you know all that stuff so it's sometimes it's hard 
with mule deer was nice because I'd go drive and scout for mule deer in the morning. And while I'm also doing that, I'm taking note of like what field the birds are in and kind of keeping an eye on that situation as well. So you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. But uh, once I started wanting to sit for some whitetail and do some stand and or tree saddle sits, uh, it became harder to like scout. So I was getting my buddies to help and, and do all that. So nice. yeah. And, and then, so you, uh, like you were sitting in a saddle then for that mule deer or no. So that mule deer was a stock. So what happened was, is I have a mule deer that's evaded me for three years and it's very frustrating. I missed him with my rifle last year. Well, I missed him with my bow. So Again, I can elaborate a ton, but I, year one that I seen him, I don't know how old he would have been, but he was a nice deer, and he's he's got a little kicker in between his back forks that's he's very noticeable. And I stalked him, and I was after him for two weeks. And where I where I hunt, once the canola comes off, they change their habits a lot. So every year can be a little different, but I like to tell people I get about seven to ten days at the beginning of September to really stalk and hunt mule deer. After that, it can become challenging because they they kind of feed like white tails. They're in the bush and then they come out to field in the night in the morning. And I find it very hard to stock feeding deer. I don't even bother. <clears throat> um, so anyway, so I, I, first year, you know, I was back and forth this deer didn't, didn't pan out second year, which was last year. I was back and forth the deer, but I had, a, I had a draw that year. And the, actually the closest encounter I had with him was I went out, for a cruise so this is how addicted to hunting i am i can't sit at home even if i have my kids like i want to know what the deer are doing so i had my youngest with me last year and i wanted to just go see if i could get eyes on this deer and just see what he was doing if he's in the same spot the next day i was free to hunt so you know got eyes on him yesterday i'll probably get eyes on him you know the, the next day so go with my kid find this deer and he's in probably the most stockable location he's been in all year. So now I, I have the choice, like, stock this thing with my child or leave it. And so I'm going to stock all day. So there's a coolie there. I ran in with my youngest. He was pumped. And then I just sat him down in the grass and I said, Dad's going to go up this hill and into the canola. And I'll be able to see you most of the time. And I just rushed it is basically what happened just because I couldn't see him once I got within 40 and I could see antler tips and I knew where he was. And if I just would could have been able to wait it out, uh, I think that he would have been dead. But I rushed it a little bit because I didn't want, I don't want my kids to have bad experiences hunting. So that's mm-hmm. more important to me. So I rushed it and he kind of bumped out of his bed and I never got the shot. Um, I could have taken a shot, but I could only see his head and his neck. He didn't bolt right away out of his bed. He kind of was checking to see what I was, but it wasn't a great shot and, and he bolted from his bed. And so that was the closest I was to him with my bow. And then I bumped him out of a slough bush and uh, missed him with my rifle, which still haunts me. So this, me and this deer, it's like we almost have this mutual agreement now where we're just like, not, I'll just won't hunt you. So this year, this year, I seen him again and now i kind of know his habits and his patterns so although he was probably could have been in a stockable location i knew what bush he went into and uh so i decided to saddle a tree and he came out right where i thought he would and and i missed him by i couldn't have missed him by an inch like i i might even graze his belly like i have i have 
a screenshot on my phone of the Luminoc going underneath him. Like I stopped the little video and like, it's, it's so close. (laughs) And he took off and went, I'm still in the tree saddle. He took off back in the trees, had no clue what happened. And he came out 200 yards away in the same field and just fed like nothing was wrong. So I just decided that that deer and me are just going to become friends instead of enemies. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I didn't see him for three or four days and, uh, I found another, the deer that I ended up shooting in a really stockable location, decided to, uh, try to make a stock and, uh, yeah, I was successful in the stock obviously and super happy with that deer. Unfortunately he had CWD something fierce. So it kind of worked out for the better. I'm kind of glad I shot him and, and, uh kind of got him out of that gene pool so um it's kind of weird it's like the first time i've shot a deer and been like pumped but at the same time like not pumped because he was so sick so Hmm. so yeah so no but yeah so folded a tag on him and was super happy and then just kind of got back to birds (laughs) nice yeah that's wild for sure and uh yeah it's crazy i didn't realize that i would have tested positive and that's like i mean good to have the elk for sure <laughs> at that point yeah um, yeah it's, it's a super unfortunate it's becoming pretty common here but i've never oh, yeah. actually visited i've i've my buddies have had a couple test paws about where i hunt i but they're they're like flabbergasted because of how healthy they are i've never seen a sicker deer sicker looking deer and like in my life like bones like like skin and bones wow yeah that's terrible and yeah it is scary because you know i think they do the whole well from what i remember last year they had all the units with like mandatory mandatory testing and then it seemed like a lot of those kind of dropped out and i think they were just basically assuming that they had it like it's like become that detrimental in some places that it's like not even really worth mandatory testing they just like are telling you to assume that it yeah yeah exactly from my understanding my buddy had one test positive last year and he called them to kind of ask about that because he i told him it was mandatory because i thought it was and then he tested tested positive he ended up talking to them and they said yeah it's actually wasn't mandatory and so he was trying to understand that and they said basically they're they just test the borders now they want to see how far it's getting and kind of like everything in between they just know that it's going to be there and if you want to test it you can test it but pretty much just assume that it has it yeah yeah it's wild such a crappy disease and i i don't know the answer for it and yeah it's it's kind of scary so but whatever is what it is you're gonna like it's unfortunate i ran into it this year but i've been lucky enough in the past to not have not have any issues with it so far so Mm -hmm. like i said if anything i'm kind of glad i got rid of him he wasn't gonna have a good next couple months anyway so it just kind of like worked out for the better i had the elk in the freezer and and uh yeah worked out well yeah and still a successful hunt nonetheless for sure and like it's a successful stock and everything so yeah yeah it was good nice deer getting a little euro done and like i said it opened up a lot of time for going after moving cameras around and going after whitetail and then i really put the heat on to to hunt birds um for the kind of the rest of September and then October, I had a week where I was gone in October. Um, my buddy has like a trap line. So I went down there and we, we just did a bunch of stuff there, but, um, 
so I, to get my dozen hunts in, I knew I was going to need, you know, to really push for it. So, yeah. And we've yeah. never been skunked. That's the other thing. So like, I don't, I try not to like half-ass the bird hunts. Like I, like I'm never, I, I have blind hunted once with my kids, but normally I put the work in to scout and check out and like, we've never been skunked in, I don't know, I think it's four years probably that we've been doing this. Like, always for the most part always had good hunts obviously sometimes it doesn't pound as good as they don't decoy as well as you thought they were we're still kind of learning that side of the game but yeah so it was good got the dozen in no skunks nice and so what do you uh primarily like doing waterfowl or game bird for like geese or like which what species yeah yeah well you know it's kind of whatever's here like where i live it's kind of we we get like it's right in there in the migration and so we get i find early in the season you know we get a lot of canadas we don't have a setup for snows where <clears throat> we've been talking um out of our group of four we um the one guy bought another four dozen this year so that's kind of helped us but to do a snow specific hunt like especially in the spring we just don't have the decoys for it yet um, so yeah, we just, honestly, I love shooting ducks. Ducks are the funnest. I love it. Um, but we just kind of go with whatever's around. So, um, we, we, until the last couple of years, we weren't having a lot of luck with, uh, specks like speckle belly geese. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of started to change. And again, snows, we haven't had great luck with, but if you can, you know, Canada's at the beginning of the year, we'll get a lot. And at the end of the year, and then I find the specs take over. And then we had like, in know, I think it was October. We had a couple of weeks where the snows were just wild. But if it's just like an all snow field, we don't even bother. Like we'll try to find one that's like maybe a mixture of snows and specs or something like that. So we can get our decoys out there. Cause if it's all snows, I find that, you know, if you don't have a big enough spread and you're not decoying the first group, well, you're going to have a really bad hunt because now that group there, they fly their flocks, they fly in are so much bigger that they go land in another field. And now all of a sudden they're attracting all the birds. And hmm. sometimes you, there's, there's the chance that you don't get anything, but we're pretty new at it too. We're like, we're learning going, rolling with the punches and yeah, it's a lot of fun though. Like it just, it's funny. Cause you know, this year I got a mule deer and an elk, so I had a good season, but I've had seasons where the first two weeks, you know, the frustrations of bow hunting are sinking in and it's nice to just get out in the blind with the birds and just be successful at something. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. And yeah, it's just every day in those types of seasons when you're not successful like that and and the grind starts to set in and yeah, like you say, it would be nice to just feel that success because it's all of a sudden you start counting down the days of like what you have left and what you can do and strategies. (laughs) Yeah yeah (laughs) get frustrated and social media brings a whole new aspect to that i try not to get involved because like you could shoot the biggest deer and tomorrow somebody's gonna shoot one bigger like or when you're really not being successful you know or you're so you're not having success and you're seeing all the successes around you it can add to that frustration if you don't like deal with Mm -hmm. that appropriately and so I just try to like go back to the whole reason you're out there doing it, right. Is to be outside. And if you're like, for me, when I'm out with my kids and stuff, it's more about like teaching them and, and doing that kind of stuff. But yeah. And I think that's such a same thing, such an important message to be carrying as a, or even just, 
even to be thinking and carrying with you when you're out by yourself or with your kids or and at any time that it's like, you know, when you're, you know, that's something that like, if you know, like Jeff Dorward there, like DOA or yeah. uh, Dorward Outdoor Adventures, that's something he's really like instilled in me over some time talking to him and everything. It's just that like, man, just having the ability to go out and enjoy the outdoors and being in like good health and everything. And, you know, having the time to do it is like so much of a success in itself. And you have to like really take that because, uh, there's so many days that, yeah, like you said, you, you beat yourself up and social media definitely doesn't help with that. Um, but in, in the same framework, it's just really hard, right? Cause in the same instance, you can, I've been trying to like look at it as more of a supportive network and to, you know, everyone be stoked for each other more so than uh, comparing it against, you know, for sure the turnout because every year is going to be a total mixed bag of pros and cons and successes and failures. So, yeah, for sure. And I think like, I I don't think social media is like bad. I I think like it just, it's funny because when, if you have a day where you like miss that big buck and you come home and you go on Instagram and bam, somebody, four guys have got big bucks. It's like, they're not, they're not out there to try to like bring anyone down, but you just had a terrible day and you look at successes and, and like you're pumped for them. Don't get me wrong, but it just like almost like hits you harder and you you can get more frustrated. We're like, you know, back in the day when they didn't have that stuff, you just kind of like, you know, let's get out there and get it the next day. Right. Like it just kind of adds that extra, but I, I agree. I try to look at it too more of like a positive place to, you know, share your successes and your failures. Like yeah. I've had lots of failures that can go on there too. Like the white tail might be a failure here if we don't uh, pick it up in the next couple of weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but man, and it, it is, I think something like you're starting to see that narrative change a little bit, like within uh, like shows and YouTube channels and stuff like that, where uh, it's not just like, you know, only successful, even like fishing and stuff like that too. Um, it's so like refreshing to see and, and I mean not to see other people like fail or whatever but it's just like there's that's that's the reality and the authenticity of it because if you're getting into it and it's just you, you'll set these expectations right like oh man these guys are getting buck after buck or you know elk after elk and they're just like yeah they put the work in but they're making it happen and they do all the right things and it happens and then you know, you have years where you think you do all the right things and it doesn't pan out or like you say, you miss or something and then it compounds it because you just see that you're like, why does it just turn out good for everybody else? And it's super easy to, yeah, like you say, kind of let that compound onto your own situation. And I mean, I've been really enjoying, you know, don't get me wrong, I love to see a good video and, you know, good pictures of like some incredible stories and incredible moments, but it's also so valuable to see the like, you know, a fishing show where someone doesn't catch a fish or, you know, a uh, hunting episode where it's like a once in a lifetime hunt. And unfortunately it ends in not the story that you want to, because that is like 90% of the time, the reality of it, right? Like, like you were saying earlier with your kids and stuff, like in, in certain hunts, especially deer and whitetail, like there's so much like the ghost of the forest. Like, I don't even know, to be honest, out of my own experience with whitetail bow hunting, if I've actually ever heard one come in. Yeah. I've never personally like heard it. Like even the one this year that was like 15 yards from myself, like I always end up seeing them, 
I, and I mean, I guess like if you're calling and you're in, you're in November and you're in the rut and you're grunting and they're grunting or whatever, then yeah, it's another story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, for the most part for myself, it's all of a sudden they're just there and it just seems yeah. like the craziest thing. So yeah, I don't know. It is, I think it's yeah, more important a, to share those I failures think, too. I think meat eater kind of like start, like, I don't know if they started it, but they did a good job of like, having episodes where you don't kill something and making people still want to watch. That was the big thing. And then, you know, there's a lot of these, these YouTubes, like, uh, like stone glaciers one I like to watch, like where they just like, they do just like artistic, like hunt films. And like, they might, they might not kill anything, but they're out in the mountains and just the way they make their video. And it's like, it's more artsy than, you know, what we used to watch, like on some of the TV channels where you just like <clears throat> shoot a big buck and, you know, and that's, that's cool too. Like I'm all for that, but I, I'm a big fan of like the twist that kind of like a lot of these YouTubes and shows have taken to like turn a failure into like a story, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like that for sure. And it is. And I think like exactly like you said, like meat eater was one of the first ones I started to recognize as well. They were like, Oh, dang that didn't pan out <laughs> like wasn't expecting that you know like even the build-up is so much like the story is about to be a success and then it'll kind of turn and like you say the twist but like, for myself growing up um like skateboarding and everything like that and i've kind of talked about it in a few other episodes but you know like the videography behind skateboarding is such a element to it you know whether it's the music and the timing to all the clips and the editing or whatever or the um exactly like you say like the way you're you're capturing everything um, yeah it's something that like yeah like you say once you start seeing like stone glaciers one um i don't know if you've seen much of uh south cox from stalker stick bows but uh they're another group that's like yeah he's doing everything i don't know with all of his stick bows like the recurves or uh, long bows and stuff but he's got that one video i definitely recommend watching if you haven't seen it it's called like the i think it's self-defense and it's like the five foot elk or whatever and it's literally like him five feet from this elk with a stick bow just yeah oh, I think really? he's, yeah he's with jason phelps in that episode too i think or in that like okay. little movie um and yeah and, and the same thing they're just really artistic uh filming to it so it just really i don't know I lo i'm yeah kind of a sucker for that kind of stuff too just because you can tell people are taking it's less of as much as i enjoy the vlog stuff as well it's just a lot more of kind of like a movie cinematic like you're you're in it for the long haul it can be a half an hour hour long thing it's not just like a five minute kill shot video or something right but. yeah yeah 100 percent. like some of them where they like get the kill shots and then they like take all the b-roll around it and basically you just got to get the kill shot and you can make the rest up right like yeah. yeah i don't know there's lots of different stuff and i think like social media too like everyone gets caught up in it at some point where like you feel like if you're not being successful, you're like, well, what am I going to put out there to the world or whatever? Right. So mm -hmm. there's stuff for that too. And I think maybe, maybe, yeah, like, I don't know. It's funny. I, so also this hunting season, I ended up going on a second sheep hunt. I have a buddy who guides and he was guiding in the Yukon and he came back and he asked me if I wanted to go sheep hunting with him. And obviously I'm never going to say no to that because the learning experience that you can get from that is huge. And like, it was only going to be two days, but I'm like, I I'll make it work. Like I'll figure out a way we don't get to, you know, hunt a lot together cause he's gone a lot of it. And so 
anyway, long story short, we glossed a bunch of rams day one, made a move, couldn't find them again. Day two, glassed up a, a group of rams again and got in there, and there was a legal ram in there. Um, but, you know, he had a discussion with me, and he's like, if you want to shoot this ram, by all means. But he's like, you know, part of he's like part of the problem in Alberta is like nobody's letting them grow, right? Like guys are shooting, you know, lamb, they call them lamb tip squeakers is what he said. Like their lamb tips make them legal and they're legal. Like I am never going to take that away from anyone. Like when I left there, I was kind of like, man, maybe we should have shot this. Like you put a lot of effort and a lot of work into sheep hunting. Um, but ended up letting it walk. And, uh, yeah, like at the end of the day, I totally get where he's coming from. Like, if you can get that 10, 12 year old ram, you know, that one can turn into that. And hmm. so, yeah, and I think, you know, and like he said it too, he's like, social media can, has made all these people come out and want to sheep hunt and then they get one and, you know, they're done or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to see these different perspectives, right? And like, there's definitely a lot of positives with social media and all that, but like, there's a lot of stuff too where, I think it's not even a negative. I just think we're in control. We're the, we like me, you, anyone that hunts and does this and has social media. It's up to us to change it in a way, right? Like mm-hmm. we have that power. So yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, it was definitely it was a wild season. Like I say, just right there, like got out on a second sheep hunt and ended up getting away for a week to a trap line just to fly fish. I wasn't even hunting out there, like just fly fishing and setting stuff up and. Yeah, normally I don't take that long of breaks in hunting season <laughs> if I'm not hunting. So, yeah, but you took the time to uh, relish in it and kind of witness the beauty of nature. You know, that's interesting too with that with that sheep hunt. And yeah, I really agree with the points that you made with social media and everything there too. And um, it's just tough because I think there's a lot of people that are also just sharing things on social media as like this is my experience that I'm having in life. And this is like uh, for me to like reflect on in the future and people will like follow and like just enjoy watching what they're experiencing or whatever, because it's different than what their reality is on their side of the world or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And I think there's, yeah, there's always this like, I don't know if maybe like an element of ego or there's always this element of like recognition that, like people want to have through social media and then it's just interesting because I keep coming back to this in my own kind of weird frame of thought but it's just like in every industry right like if it's like the hockey industry or something like that like sports or anything it's like there's you know products and markets and sponsors and gear and reviews and all of this stuff like that's within like so many industries right like And then it's just weird because within the hunting world, there's all of that stuff and even fishing too, right? But on the other end of it, there's this like total element of, um, you know, like emotional and spiritual and things like that. Like you're taking things lives to prolong your own life and uh, like you're taking care of the land and you're being a steward of the land to, uh, you know, (laughs) pass that on to your children so they can have that experience and, appreciate the world that we live in and you're basically practicing the history that we've always had of of like being hunter gatherers or primitive like bow hunters or something like that you know it's just it's funny where i just feel like that that there's not that many ties in other industries to like so much other 
I don't know, concepts. I don't know the right word I'm trying to reach for here, but um, yeah, it's just. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's just so many other elements to it that then like when it comes to social media and stuff, like people hunt and fish for so many reasons. And it's, it's cool because when you talk about like, you know, being on that mountain, like looking at that ram, it's like that is a successful like ram story still like that's still a su- successful sheep hunt you know because it's like you yeah. had the opportunity you could have and then like to then choose not to it doesn't mean you didn't relish in that experience or like see the beauty of nature or like even though you worked that hard to be right there i mean i always wonder what it's gonna like that kind of success is gonna taste like because not a lot of people get to eat that very often right but yeah yeah but, kidding yeah but other than that it's like that's sometimes yeah that's something that yeah same thing i learned just from talking to a bunch of yourself and stuff too right that it's just yeah sometimes the success is just literally being out there and seeing it and then even deciding no you know like that's not the right time or the right ram or the right animal or whatever yeah yeah and like you say it like you know my everybody looks at my my season i guess from the outside and i get a lot of comments on the elk and like don't get me wrong that's probably like the highlight of the season but there was a lot of other things like we talked about like you know the mule deer was huge and 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 just bird hunting like you know we we have a lot of fun as a crew bird hunting and when you can get a dozen hunts in and just like i have a lot of great memories from almost every hunt and i was able to get my kids out i want to say they got out this year my oldest i think got out four times with us and my youngest three times so for them usually every other year i only take them once Mm -hmm. um so you know to be able to get out that many times with them like that's a success story all those bird hunts were a success like we you know we were successful in getting birds and successful in having a good time and getting the kids involved and like you say they're, they're both sheep hunts were you know if I can look back on each sheep hunt and have learned something like it's a success. So, and that definitely was the case in both. And yeah, I was able to, you know, in September I was on holidays, like I said. So I, I think, you know, out of the whole month, I might've not hunted maybe five days, maybe five days. And three of those days were probably the three days after I shot that elk when I was taking meat in and took the head to the taxidermist and, so, you know, at the very beginning of this episode, you said, like, we've been trying to have this <laughs> podcast for a while. And September, once September hit, it just kind of turned into a runaway. And then very beginning of October there, I was in BC at a trap line, didn't have any service there. And, yeah, I just kind of got to reset and unwind. And um, this year I took up fly fishing. So, Well, that's just you know, this year. That I did, I've, I've had a fly rod for four or five years and just kind of with young kids it was like i can either hunt the way that i hunt the problem with me is i don't half-ass anything so it's very difficult for me to it's very difficult for me to like hunt without putting my full effort in and then if i find a deer that is worth chasing everything in my life doesn't it's gone like that's all i think about i'm you know, I'm not going to say, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of like, sometimes I listen to Cam Haynes talk about like his mentality towards it. And like, I find like, I'm definitely not him and I'm no way comparing myself to him, but I just like the similarities, like the way my mind works. It's like, I'm so intense when it comes to, you know, doing that. Like if I'm not out in the stand for some reason, it's like eating me alive. Or if I'm not like scouting, it's eating me alive. So, so yeah, it, uh, anyway i had to pick one or the other when i had younger kids so 
I picked hunting and, and I was able to put a lot of time into hunting and I just had to give up, you know, the, I can't be doing, be gone May all the way till November, like as much mm-hmm. as I did. So, yeah. So this year I finally was able to pick it up and, and uh, yeah, that was crazy in itself too. Like I, I ended up fishing in Montana, the Yukon, BC, Alberta and Alaska. Um and uh, I didn't realize I was going to do that at first. I think I started fishing in uh, Alberta, obviously, and then had a Montana trip. And I'm like, oh, I'll take my fly rod. And then and then the trap line is in BC. So I, I took my fly rod there. And then I'm like, well, we have a Yukon trip planned. I could take that. And then we're going to Alaska. Like I could, I could flip fish in all of those in one year. So, yeah, ended up doing that. And I think I caught fish. I don't know that I caught in Montana and I didn't catch in Alaska, but I think I caught fish everywhere else. That's insane. So, <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, the cutthroat guys, um, I've been talking to them on Instagram cause you know, I'm, I equate like fly fishing to like bow hunting. It's like you can hunt with a rifle and bow hunting just adds this whole new element and this whole, there's so much to learn. It's how in depth do you want to get? That's how in depth you can get. And I find fly fishing is like the same idea in the fishing world. Like it is like the bow hunting of fishing, like how you can tie your own flies if you want, like how crazy do you want to get into it? So, Mm -hmm. um, to like read the hatch and like, it it was a very steep learning curve. Um, but yeah, once I started doing it, I was addicted. Like, yeah, it was, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I was able in October to go get, you know, last few days of fishing in for the season and yeah it's been it's been a year that's for sure dude yeah that's nuts that's literally like some of the most world-class fishing a guy can do and then you know like exactly like you say i very much equate it the same way with uh fly fishing and bow hunting and i kind of have this similar and i've mentioned it in the past too just like a i think a borderline obsessive compulsive like behavior when I get into something new like that. Like when I got into fly fishing myself, there was like, I couldn't just like figure out casting and then buy flies. I was like, I need to understand like all the different, you know, lines from sinking and floating and whatever, and then started tying my own flies and just needed to like figure it all out from like beginning to end. And now the same thing has been happening with bow hunting where the compound bow has been pretty enjoyable for, you know, years and now it's like i got back into traditional and recurve and now i'm like man this winter i'm like starting to i want to carve out a self bow and i mean it's going to be the first one of many and not a totally anticipating the first one to be good but i'm getting this like obsessive (laughs) point with it again too that's like exactly like you say like how deep do you want to go down that rabbit hole of like yeah building your own bow building your own arrows and then yeah attempting to hunt big game with it with the appropriate poundage of course and stuff it's just yeah yeah it's wild it's just yeah when you have the sometimes the personality just takes over and you just get at it i definitely know the feeling yeah i'm happy my wife's like okay with it because i didn't recognize it in myself until probably like five years ago and then everybody around me was kind of like you just realized that that's how you are <laughs> that you just like obsess about things until you uh, like su- succeed at them or whatever or happy <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know yeah that's funny man so uh 
Yeah, what do you got? So you're saying you're talking to like the cutthroat guys like Tanner and uh, Jared there and stuff? Like the yeah, counselors? yeah, they gave me some good tips when I couldn't catch fish. So I'll have to <laughs> apply those tips next year. But uh, yeah, they've been super open with helping me. I've probably asked them some super stupid and annoying questions. But uh, yeah, it uh, yeah, it's where where the trap line is we have some like unreal fishing and uh you don't see anyone like i don't want to be here anymore i want to be there i want to live there but it is what it is and and uh so yeah i was just getting some tips because the last you know again your listeners i'm new to fly fishing but for me in the summer it's like there's more bugs around it's easier to like not know what you're doing i feel sometimes because yeah you you can pick something out of your box and all of a sudden you start getting bites or whatever and and things are going good but i found in october that's not the case and then i didn't do i haven't done a lot of like nymph fishing and stuff like that so it was like a new world to me and i was getting frustrated wasn't catching anything and wasn't finding any bugs so yeah when we got when i got back from there i was like man we should be i think they were fishing and they were doing well and i'm like I'm like, oh man, you guys are nailing it. And they like said how many fish they caught. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, and I explained my story and the struggles that we were having. And then they uh, gave me some sweet tips. So yeah, it's nice. That's the social media world. Hey, like I've never met those guys in person, but they seem unreal and they've helped me, you know, with any questions I have, no matter how stupid they are. So yeah they're great guys man and they're just like they're hilarious too like anytime i've kind of touched base with either of them i never really i don't even know if i've had a conversation without them saying some goofy stuff that just gets me going but yeah that and just really really knowledgeable for sure and i think tanner this year too he just had a heck of a year too with bow hunting oh yeah which has been cool to see for him but yeah, yeah like you said that that social media like the network in a positive way that way that's something that um like honestly, even through the podcast, like doing this stuff, I didn't realize how much it was going to start to like network people and stories and stuff like that together to all of a sudden just say, like similar little things like this where you're talking about one guy and another guy comes up and yeah, people are either like best buddies with them or yeah, they're yeah. at least shouting out for advice or things like that. And it's or like way, you help Jake pull his moose out. Like I've known him for years. Dude, that was such a funny, I'm actually trying to talk to him about um doing an episode together too just because of the the random story that was and it's hilarious too because exactly like you say like shared those couple pictures and then you're like yeah i've known that dude forever and then i actually i was talking to him i think maybe a week or two ago because he was out there again and um i mentioned i was like oh like you know john and he's like yeah man he's like uh he was giving me tips on like what to do after I shot that moose or whatever. And I couldn't help but laugh. But Yeah. He called me and I was like, Oh man. Yeah. It's, and that's what I said. I'm like, you need to go home and as hard as it is, I'm like, you need to have some breakfast, go back out in a couple <laughs> hours. And yeah, he called me and was like, man, if I wouldn't have done that, I don't know if I would have got him. Like, thanks. And I was like, Oh yeah, no problem. That's why I said, like, you can call me anytime. Like you need someone sometimes just not invested. And you know, sometimes you're wrong, but judging mm-hmm. by the pictures and like the description he gave me i was like yeah i think this is what you should do and but yeah we me and him have known each other like years like we went to college together and then yeah he ended up getting on the fire department now we work together and we ended up uh, last year in the calendar like we did our show together to get in the calendar <laughs> so 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, we've known each other for a long time. Dude, that's too funny. And same thing, like, what a small world. I didn't anticipate. And same thing, I wasn't like, I don't, I know he said he uh, distances quite a bit from social media during hunting season and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, it was just funny because, yeah, I'm just kind of putting out a couple of things. I was so stoked to like go and help him with that. That was one of those things when you were talking about like uh, earlier when you were talking about your story with the other hunters um, when you and yeah. uh, Lucas there were on that double elk hunt. Um, yeah. And you were mentioning kind of like the camaraderie of yeah, also not wanting to really be around other people, but in the same instance, having kind of like that supportive network where they're, you know, like this guy's like, oh, do you want to see the pictures that were on my camera or whatever? Uh, that was something that, man, meeting Jake was like super funny in, in the bow zone here because we just kind of right away, you know, super, super nice dude. And then just immediately started texting each other like intel and i was like that's the that's the way i know it kind of should be because we you know in a sense anyone's success is should be thought of as like everyone's success i know we talked about in the past with other stuff too like you know if you're in a group of guys same thing like when you were younger like pushing bush right like the guys pushing bush are just as much responsible of for that deer at the end of it as the guy that was the shooter right yeah 100 so in that instance it's just like we've kind of really quickly you know some guys say that you know like they their whole lives they can't really find someone that they want to hunt with enough that will go back and forth like that and then all of a sudden you know we run into each other i think him and i like bs'd in the field there for like i don't know what felt like an hour and then uh and then we like traded numbers and it was just like i drive past that kind of spot every day to work and everything so i was like yeah there's moose out in the field there's moose out in the field and i was like i hope i'm not annoying you dude but like i'm not trying to be like oh leave work or like make you depressed make you depressed to be at work or whatever and then uh yeah and then same thing he would text me like when he was out in the stand this is what happened this is what i saw maybe heading over to like where you hunt or whatever and yeah it's just a really cool camaraderie back and forth and same thing i was just like man if something happens just let me know too because in that area i'm just fortunate enough to know um between my family that lives there and um people around and everything like that enough that you know, if he needed a serious hand and it was in a really crappy spot or anything, um, we could have for sure gotten it out of there without, with yeah. like whatever, with some sort of, some form of sake of ease with the moose. But uh, yeah, it was just so cool to see him that day. And yeah. Yeah. And as much as it's funny, as much as I say that, like as much as I say, I don't like people, I have had a couple bad experiences in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, but you know, even this, this buddy of mine that, that I went sheep hunting with on the second hunt, the guides, we were we were sheep hunting a few years ago and that's how we met him and i remember i was with my sheep hunting partner and they had horses and i'm like i don't want to be near these guys like i don't every experience with like sheep hunters nobody wants to talk to you like say anything like it's a different world on top of like hunting is a different world to begin with but then sheep hunting like Mm -hmm. guys sharing stories and places like that just doesn't happen so i'm like i really don't want to be anywhere near these guys and and it was kind of one of those moments too where me and my sheep and my partner almost had an argument because we we're like, I'm like, well, let's just go another calf set away so you don't have to be so close. And then anyway, long story short, they ended up coming by one day and we were snowed in and I was wearing scree gear and the one guy was interested in it. And so next thing you know, we're having a few beers and then next thing you know, it's 2 a.m. in their horse trailer and we're drinking. <laughs> We've had like 20 beers and we're singing Backstreet Boys and now we go to shoot show together and 
and we're buddies. And I just, again, when we went home, I laughed. I'm like, I didn't want to be anywhere near those guys and they're beauties. <laughs> that's hilarious, dude. That's too funny. And yeah, like you'd say, like with sheep hunting, that's the last thing you would expect. Yeah. It might be one thing in the bow zone five minutes out of the city, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it ended up yeah being good. That's how I got you know got to be friends with those guys, and that friendship is has carried on for the last couple couple years. And yeah, it's been good. We're going to sheep show I think again this year. So nice man, that's super exciting. So uh, yeah, on that note, like I know obviously we're not closed out of November yet, so you, you're trying to chase that whitetail. But what's kind of the rest of this year and into the uh spring summer kind of all the way up into next hunting season what's that look like for you usually yeah yeah so for me um it's you know i try to finish november out here i you know what it's funny because i'm i'm like stressed but i'm not because usually like right around the 20th for me that just seems to be like the time like somewhere between the 17th and the you know 22nd it's just every year that's kind of like my go-to so i'm off like the 21st i think so i'll have some time there so you know finish out november and then to be honest it's funny because september you just have nice weather and and longer days so i find like i take more breaks once november hits i really find it's a grind and so when december 1st hits i'm like i'm done i like Mm -hmm. christmas i like to do christmas stuff so i will be in the festive spirit as soon as December 1st hits and be, I could care less about hunting. I usually every year I drive around and pick up as many cameras as I can. And I, I actually deliver Christmas cards to all my landowners. Um, just say thanks and, you know, whatever, throw some meat in if some of them want, or I, I find I have a lot of landowners. So if I shoot something on their land, I usually throw something in or try to that year, depending, um, so I do that, and then when the new year hits, I, I should say my buddy has an, uh, a cow, I think he's got a cow elk draw that goes into like January or something, so yeah. he's asked me if I'd, I'd go out a little bit, so that, that may happen, but yeah, then January, you know, kind of hits, and uh, yeah, I don't really do much, like January, February, March, I do, uh, I'm doing a firefighter stair climb in Seattle, I did it last year, so I'll kind of be hitting the gym, like I, I'm... I used to do, like, I still do, ice baths, and you'd see them on my Instagram a lot. But when hunting season hits, I just don't have time for a lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. they kind of take a back seat, and so does working out. And just long, like I said, you know, you're out in the field long days. And, and uh, I've tried every year to make that not happen, but I just, I'm always just grinding out there that I just feel like I just don't have time, um, which is a terrible excuse. But, yeah, so I'll hit that again until that. And then... Uh, you know, April rolls around and me and my buddy do some bear baiting. And so, yeah, we'll probably be doing that again. And honestly, with the fly fish and stuff now, you know, we'll, we'll start doing that and, uh, yeah, start fishing, probably hit up the trap line. Some, at some point in the winter, I'll probably go to the trap line as well. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping to get my trapping course this winter finally and get put on as a junior so we can do some stuff out there during the winter and then uh yeah in the, in the spring chase bears um I'm, i've been involved with a group of guys and we do a wild boar hunt every year so um unless i somehow did something to get myself uninvited hopefully i'll be doing that this year again <laughs> and uh yeah that that and bear kind of right together we do those in may 
and then yeah full swing into fly fishing and getting some cameras up and getting prepared for for next year that's kind of the plan anyway nice man yeah that sounds like uh yeah heck of a lot of good times both between yeah hitting the trap line in the winter and then getting the fishing in spring bear and stuff like that and it's just there's still a lot of stuff i think people always think of you know even fishing is just a summer thing and then you get into ice fishing or even some of the open rivers for fly fishing in the winter that you can do and you know obviously spring bear and stuff like that there's so many ways to kind of carry it throughout the year and still get out there and enjoy it but yeah yeah it's good december i like to take that little vet like i just take that break i just yeah i find november i don't know why i just find it can be a grind like i'm i try to be out there every day that i can be that i'm not working and like it, i just find it's a grind and i really sitting here like thinking about it while t- <clears throat> telling you like i just can't i can't even tell you why that is but i know when december 1st hits i'm uh i'm ready to shut her down i had permission in in the bow zone in strathcona one year and i know it's open i think till the 7th there i believe is that correct yeah it is yeah the, well 7th, the yeah. uh it's that the three tags you that yeah yeah three does or two does on a buck you can do that till the seventh and i remember and i plan on getting permission there again because i think like for me that's my best ability to be able to kill a whitetail with my bow but still get the nostalgia of rifle hunting because then i can have two tags but anyway the one year i had permission there i remember like well I'll hunt till november and then i'll go in the bow zone and in the week of december i can extend my season and I remember December hit and I'm like, yeah, I, I want nothing to do with this. Like I am done. It's over. <laughs> I'm putting my hunting shit in the bins and see you next year. <laughs> yeah. And it's a, it's another thing like bow hunting into November, December like that. Like last year, the last day that I sat was like minus 26, I think. Oh yeah. Terrible. And, yeah. And it's such a weird, you know, you, you get to see really everything in the hunting season. Like uh, this year, I think it was plus 26 that first of September, like that first day. So it's like 60, de- 60 degree swing from uh, opening day to the last day. Oh yeah. It, it's a grind. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But man, no, I appreciate uh, you sharing everything from your season this year and just kind of everything you've been getting up to and the e-bikes and stuff like that. It's been honestly a pleasure to have you on and I would love to have you on anytime again in the future. And, yeah, wishing you the best of luck for the rest of uh, November here and stuff. And yeah, we'll have to keep in touch. I know I want to keep in touch just with the bikes alone. And I know you're kind of here in the city and we're close and yeah, same kind yeah, of extension. Sure. If you do end up in the bow zone or anything, let me know. Cause yeah, I love it. Even if you're packing things out or anything. But. Yeah, we will do. I appreciate you having me on and maybe, uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. And in the spring, you know, maybe I got a lot of bear stories, like getting the kids out and, doing our own bait and so maybe we will do something before uh bear season and i can recap some of my my time in the bear woods but yeah if i get in the bow zone yeah we'll stay in touch and let me know uh about those e-bikes too i can i can get you to the store and we can go over some stuff yeah man i'd love that you can even take mine for a rip if you want dude yeah i would be down for sure that's just there's so many and i mean i don't know if you've talked to jake about it but where that kind of property how that layout is man it's like super conducive for some e-biking yeah. for sure yeah uh, you you won't regret it if you can get one so <laughs> i'm definitely gonna start 
shopping in the market and looking around. You've already inspired me from the pictures and videos. That's something I should probably throw out there. I was thinking about throwing out there there earlier, but a lot of your content is on Instagram, right? And it's, yeah, uh, yeah, most of it's Jay Layman 05 and then um, I run the Bird of Birds account too, but it, it ebbs and flows like depending on, uh, yeah, just time of year. Running my own stuff is enough and then kids, so yeah, yeah Jay Layman 05 and that's kind of the main page. I like, my dad used to always carry a little wind-up camera with him everywhere he went and that just kind of like translated into my love for like taking, I just like taking pictures, like the reels and the, you know, video side of things is a learning curve for me that I'm slowly learning, but the picture side is like, I could, I genuinely enjoy it. So try to do as much as I can. Yeah, it's definitely uh, really quality content, both from photos and the reels and stuff like that too are pretty funny. Some of them like, I don't know that yeah. one you and uh, I can't remember buddy's name right now off the top of my head. I could think of his Instagram, but the, just with, I can't remember even that song when you're ripping the e-bike around. I was just oh like, yeah yeah Nathan laugh. yes that's what it is. Uh, yeah yeah he, he he made that one he's pretty clever yeah that was another trip we got this this uh, I went up to his cabin actually too and Nathan of the North like, or something is his yeah name? Nathan of the North yeah met him through Scree like didn't know him again and then we hit it off and become friends and we're doing stuff together for that e-bike company and. Uh, yeah, I went up to his cabin and did some hunting with him and just had a blast. Like, it was only a weekend. I would have loved to extend it to a week or even more, but, you know, just time, things just happen. So we're planning on doing that next year again, and, yeah, it was nice. a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it definitely looks like a hoot for sure. That's hilarious. Right on, man. Well, again, yeah, I appreciate everything. And, uh, yeah, I think it would be sweet. We should try to do, like, a, a bear thing before the spring and maybe get some people hyped up to get out for spring bear and stuff. And yeah, yeah, until sure, then, man. Yeah. Best yeah, of we'll luck. Stay, we'll stay in touch. For sure. Well, thank you so much, John. We'll uh, talk to you again soon here, man. You have a great night. Yeah, you as well. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>